You're listening to Leadership on the Ground, Season 2. Leadership on the Ground in real time. Learning, recognizing, and knowing what is needed is not enough in business today. Leaders need to be able to apply their skills on the ground and in real time to make a meaningful impact. This series is brought to you by the international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor, your source and reference for achieving breakthrough performance and productivity. Leading yourself, leading teams, and leading organizations. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Erica Peetler. All right. Good morning and welcome back to episode five. I'm your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Erica Peetler. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm great, Todd. Good morning to you, too. Uh, thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think this is so important. Uh, today's episode is on who do you serve? But before we go there, tell us what this season of Leadership on the Ground is all about. Why does leadership in real time matter? Yeah, so leadership on the ground. Let's just make sure we understand that piece first, right? Leadership is a skilled profession, and it's all about our behaviors. That's actually what shows up on the ground every day, our behaviors. In our Leadership on the Ground series, we've been talking about the importance of becoming a consciously competent leader, which means we know what we are doing, we know how to do it, and we know why we're doing it. Because as leaders, we're asked to build the talent bench. So to do this, we need to be consciously competent. Now, why is that important? If we don't have conscious discipline and positively practice our leadership skills on the ground, we're not going to positively influence performance and productivity. And this is what we're looking for. In season two, we're raising the bar here and we're asking our listeners to not just cross that knowing doing gap and put their leadership skills on the ground, but to do it at the speed of business. And the speed of business is in real time, proximal to events and proximal to entry points. Yeah, no, good stuff, Erica. This has been a great series so far. Today's episode's real important. Uh, in season one, we did talk about leadership being in service to others. So let's talk about that. Who else can you serve? Yeah, so there are really, it's a great question. And there are three choices and two of them are bad. <laughs> so, you know, the right answer, right? And the answer that that we really want to promote as strong leaders is in service to others, right? And we talked about, you know, there are three principles to leadership. One, there's nothing here that you can't learn. Two, it's emotional. Three, it's in service to others. So when you look at it and you say, well, who are the other servers or who else could we serve? One is yourself, right? Which is yeah. a selfish version of leadership. The other, though, is a really, really interesting dynamic that we're going to talk about today, and that's serving the master. Well, I would think that would be a good thing, right? Why, why would serving the master be bad? Well, here's the thing, right? So both of them are not good. And here's why, you know, this whole concept of in real time, right? Who you serve shows up in your behaviors, right? In real time. And we are in a constant ongoing demonstration of either building or damaging our reputation, right? Everything we do in terms of who we serve is either going to build or damage our reputation. So if we're in service of others, we're going to build that reputation of having personal power. We're going to build that reputation of being an inspiring leader. But if we serve ourselves, we're going to build a reputation of being self-serving, selfish, and uh, subscribing to what I call uh, meology, actually. Uh, this is something that a client used this word, and I've now adopted it, meology. And you know, when we serve others, we're, we're in weology, right? So meology and weology. But let's take a look at both of these, because I think when you serve yourself, as an individual contributor, let's say, like you're an individual contributor, frontline manager, you know, you serve yourself and it feels like everything is about your problems and your issues. 
right? You're not a good team player. It's about your work. You might be quick to say, hey, this isn't my job. You're playing at a low altitude. So, you know, what's your reputation that you're building here? Not good, right? Not good. Not good at all. Oh, I'm thinking as I hear you talk about that, that there's a distinction here. We're not talking about being a servant. We're talking about being of service. What's the difference? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, and it may just be semantics, right? You know, being a servant to anything sounds too extreme for me. I like it to be a little bit more of how can I be of service in this situation and how can someone be of service to me? So I think that we're always trying to work with the dynamic of a service exchange and being there for each other when we're working collaboratively and in teams. So to me, it's a little bit of, uh, of semantics. But in terms of being in service to yourself, Let's just say if you're a team leader, right, as opposed to an individual contributor, that's going to feel a little bit different too, right? That's going to feel like, hey, it's about my team, my people, my silo. You're going to be a little bit more protectionary, like, hey, I got your back. You ever hear that phrase, hey, I got your back? Mm -hmm. That I don't know how that phrase lands on you. <laughs> that phrase always lands on me. It's a little bit tricky, right? It goes back to what we were talking about with intention and impact. Like, I got your back almost sounds like... Are you being fair? Are you in service of others? Who are you serving here? And are you really an organizational player, right? So I always get like a weird feeling when someone uses that phrase of I got your back. So, you know, examples of if you're going to serve yourself, you're probably not going to have the reputation that you want. And each time you're in a process of doing that in real time, you're cementing that reputation further and further, which is a hole a lot of people dig into. You know, when you look at the other side, you know, the master and you say, hey, you know, what could be so bad about serving the master? right? Especially in a private company, you know, hey, they own the place, give them what they want. Or in a public company and big companies, a lot of uh, young executives would say, hey, listen, I'll serve the master, hitch my wagon to that guy or, or individual lady, and uh, they're going to go places, right? So we may be conscious or we may be unconscious of serving the master, but let me tell you, it is always dangerous. It is always dangerous. Well, I'm thinking about that further and reflecting on our altitude conversation from season one. Uh, I mean, what altitude are you playing at? when you are serving the master. Yeah, that's a great perspective. So the master, sometimes when we serve the master, the master wants to play at a lower altitude. They kind of want to play at our altitude, right? Which is maybe at the manager, the do level, if they're at the lead level and they're the master. So it could be a veiled way of a master getting a little bit more into being able to set the pieces on the chessboard up the way that they want. And here's the consequence, right? Here's the risks to us if that happens and we are trying to serve the master. You risk being viewed as a pawn, right? His or her girl or guy. You're not your own person. You're just kind of doing what the master's looking for. Again, it's going to limit your credibility, might limit your trust. Hey, are you a mole? I mean, are you doing just what, you know, the master is asking of you? And, you know, you could be because you are in a relationship where you're serving the master. There's risk for you and the master. One, the master may look like they have favorites, which puts them at reputational risk, right? For you, you may have some, uh, let's say, borrowed authority from that master and be feared and not trusted and perhaps excluded from uh, some of the reindeer games, which isn't going to be good for you in terms of building your career. Hmm. Lots to think about here. All right, Erica and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international bestselling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism. 
because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeedler.com. All right, Todd Schneck back with Erica Peetler. We're talking about who do you serve? So, all right, Erica, let's just assume that a lot of people listening, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror here, you have either served yourself and or you have served the master. Let's just stipulate that that's what a lot of us have done. How do you turn this around? How do you change things? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a really critical question because I too have to put myself out there and say, I probably unconsciously, consciously at different points in time, probably either was serving the master or was viewed as serving the master. And yeah, you really got to answer the question, what am I doing here reputationally? Like, am I my own person and how do I change this? So a couple tips. One is you always want to be able to challenge the master in service of the business publicly. You want to be able to make sure that your reputation is balanced. You know, you may have a great relationship with uh, the owner of the business or the CEO of the company, but if you really are in a good relationship with them, you should be able to challenge them. And it's good for your colleagues and for other people if they suspect you as serving the master and you really are not, and you want to get out of potentially a reputational overview that is wrong for you. You want to be able to challenge the master in public. The other thing you want to be able to be able to do really clearly is establish and state your own point of view. You got to be clear that you do have a point of view and that you're not just a parrot or representing, you know, what some of the powers that be have stated their point of view to be and you're just falling into line with it. And then the third is that I would demonstrate, I would try to demonstrate actively in front of the master as well as my peers that you can advocate for your peers and influence them and influence your master, not just serve them and give them what they want, but really provide them with what you believe they need, even if it's not something that they are readily embracing at the moment. So really is about seizing those entry points and really using your personal power to kind of stand up for the content issues and really identify yourself as your own person. Yeah, I suspect some of the lessons that we talked about in the episode about calling out unproductive behaviors are applicable here, yes? Yeah, I mean, it's something that you want to be able to challenge. I mean, if someone is serving a master and, and you're viewing that as an unproductive behavior, you know, you may say, hey, listen, you know, I know that you and, and so-and-so have spoken and have talked about this. Are you guys aligned or, you know, did you have different points of view that, you know, you may have had? So, you know, that's a way to kind of get at uncovering a little bit or, or you know, saying that that behavior may be clouding their own judgment or their own uh, point of view. So that's something to be mindful of. Well, I've heard you say what you need to do is you need to give that master what they need, as you say, in service to the organization, not what they want. I imagine a lot of people hear that and say, yeah, well, I'm, what happens if he says, no, 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 give me what I want. How do you deal with that? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is interesting because I, in my career, I definitely would challenge a lot of masters and they would ask for something that they wanted and I would stand up for what I thought they needed. And, you know, sometimes I probably cross the line, but I think it's really important. People are paid in organizations to be either subject matter experts or to be leaders with points of view, to have insights, right? So we have to always remember that we're really there to serve others, to serve the good of the organization. And if a leader is out of their comfort zone, 
or they're being challenged and they don't want to deal with something right now because they just don't want to deal with it. That's not an excuse to not come back and say, hey, this may not be a good time, but let's have this conversation when you can hear me and when you can listen. Because a lot of times people will just get a little bit animated. I've seen a lot of small to mid-sized company CEOs get animated, just want something, and people are not going to take that on. And they'll just say, okay, well, that's what he wanted. But you know, you're know, you not serving the master well when you do that. And fundamentally, it's a disservice because you're not really providing the business what it needs. And that ultimately is the goal of the master, right? So you know, you risk when you serve the master and you don't push back on their needs versus wants. You know, there's risk to the business. One was the one that you mentioned a little uh, a little while ago, which is we end up compressing and all playing at a lower altitude. You tend to have a lower team performance because there isn't the productive conflict. You know, productive conflict is about raising different points of view. So if we're just serving the master, we're not socializing different points of view. And result is that we have companies who become increasingly insulated from breakthrough ideas and new ways of doing things. And that's a prescription for really not growing and uh, evolving. So really important for us in real time to put our leadership skills on the ground and not necessarily kowtow to serving the master and being really mindful about not serving ourselves because who we serve is others in service of the organization. All right. Uh, boy, it's impactful stuff. And that's that makes or breaks an organization, frankly, when, when you achieve that. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. We'll return next week to discuss a great in real time tool, the accountability conversation. And me thinks a lot of us get accountability wrong. All right, you're not going to want to miss that. So, on behalf of myself and my co host, Erica Peetler, that's it for this episode, season two of Leadership on the Ground in Real Time. We'll return next week. We'll see you then.